With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Fenway Rundown, everybody. Hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving. Right before Thanksgiving, we had my father on the show. This week, we're going to do a little bit better with no offense to Dave. I thought his episode was great, but we're going to go to the Red Sox roster. And second baseman, outfielder, utility man extraordinaire Christian Arroyo is on the show today. Really appreciate Christian taking the time. I think he's one of the uh, the better quotes on the Red Sox, one of the uh, better characters this team's had for the last three years. And you know, you're going to see that over the course of the next half hour. We get into not just his 2022 season, which was a pretty good one, but you know Xander Bogart stuff. He doesn't know where he's going to sign. I don't know where he's going to sign, but we talk about Bogarts and, and some of the you know what went wrong for the 2022 Red Sox. Look ahead to 2023. So uh, always a good time catching up with Christian Arroyo. Hope you enjoy it. So we might be in the middle of a move. So uh, no pun intended. A lot of moving parts at the Arroyo home right now, but we're uh, pleased to welcome Christian Arroyo to the show today. Uh, Christian, we appreciate you taking the time. I want to ask you this to start. Uh, does this offseason feel any different to you than, you know, maybe previous offseasons in your career? Obviously, you're a guy that's bounced around to some teams. There are some, I'm mm-hmm. sure, some winters where it's felt unsettled. But now, you know, like you're tendered a contract, you know that you're going to be yep. you know part of the Red Sox moving forward. You're kind of settled. I mean, does that give you comfort as you kind of get into your winter routine and, and know that you're going to come to spring training with a spot and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Um, you know, I try not to take things for granted, um, you know, and and uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that the Boston Red Sox uh, gave me the opportunity of a lifetime to continue my playing career and to do it in, in such a great city with, with, with the best fans in baseball. So, um, you know, every offseason I treat the same. Uh, I, I don't try to be complacent. I don't try to get complacent. Um, I'm still working on things I can improve for next year, but from the mental side, yeah, I mean, once you get to this part of the business side, I think it definitely helps a lot. Uh, let you settle down and ease, ease up a little bit, maybe enjoy the holidays a little more, um, with your family. So, uh, it's just one of the sides of baseball that many people don't, uh, people don't get to see much and that's the business side. So, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely feels great. But, uh, you know, there's still work to be done. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the stuff I'm looking forward to. Are you one of those guys that wants to get, you know, a season for you guys ends, you know, obviously no playoff run this year. Are you the type of guy that likes mm-hmm. to get right into it after the season? Do you take some time off, work on the golf game? Like, how does that play out for you? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big one to two week off kind of guy. I like to always stay yeah. moving, um, especially being here in Florida. The weather's always so great. We're lucky. So, um, 
we're still allowed to, to go outside and, you know, it's, I could go work out and it's not, you know, 35 degrees. I know mm -hmm. uh, what you guys have to deal with up North sometimes the snowstorms and winters. And yeah, no, 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 we no listeners wanted to hear that at all. So thanks. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, I mean, down here it's nice. So I don't, I don't really ever have to stop. Um, I mean, the height of our winter is still, still pretty nice weather. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm one of those guys. I don't, like as I was watching the World Series and stuff, I think my wife and I, we took about two weeks off uh, just to kind of relax and whatever. And then by that third week, I was moving around more gym-wise. And then by the end of October, I was pretty much full go. So, um, Are you – obviously the Red Sox are about to undergo – theoretically hasn't happened yet, but about to undergo in a lot of change. There's a lot of questions out there, whether it be Xander Bogart's mm -hmm. future or Raphael Devers' future or – the rotation. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many question marks. What are yeah. what are your conversations with teammates like this time of year? Like, are you guys really as paying paying close attention to the rumor mill as like we are on the beat, or fans are? Are you checking social media, MLB trade rumors, that type of stuff to try to figure out what's happening? Are you you know trying to you know find yeah. things out before they're public, or do you just kind of there's people who are like, just get me to spring training, we'll see who's there. Uh, yeah, what's it like for you? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, obviously, at the end of the day, and especially when you've dealt with the business side before, there's just some things that they're just different for you as a, as a player. And, um, you know, I, I, I stay in touch with all of my teammates and uh, as many of them as I can. I mean, some guys are different. Some guys just kind of want to disconnect and they just want to see you in spring. And I totally respect mm -hmm. that. And there's other guys that, you know, we keep in touch with. So, uh, you know, I try not to talk about the things that maybe – maybe your stress stressors for other people, you know, I just check in with guys and ask how they're doing and see how the family's doing around the holidays and stuff is especially important. But um, yeah, I try not to dive too much into it, obviously as a player and, and uh, social media is so easy to, to just hop on and you can just kind of see the rumor mill uh, swirling around and stuff. I don't really seek that stuff out. I used to a lot more. Um, I think that was because it was more in a situation when, I didn't understand how the business side of the game worked. Mm -hmm. You know, I just kind of thought that it was, uh, you know, I thought it was, if you were good, you were there. And if, you know, that's just kind of how it was. So um, when I started going through the business side and saw how it actually worked, I was like, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's rumor mills and there's, there's rumors and there's this and there's that, and there's a bunch of different things that you have to do. But for me, I just kind of put my head down. I just get my work done. And then, you know, I'm sure that, uh, when moves are made or whatever, I, I know I'll definitely hear about them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I try not to. I try not to dive too much into that anymore. I found that it was, uh, it would get to the point where uh, you know you almost like obsess over it in a sense. So, right. um, you know, it's a long season, so sometimes to disconnect for a little bit is nice. So, I mean, if you're not paying as close attention, you might not be able to answer the million dollar question we have for you, which is where is Xander Bogarts going to sign? Man, yeah, it is. It really is a million dollar question. <laughs> well, probably the you know, you know I, couple couple of hundred million dollar question. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you know, that's the thing too. It's even getting to talk with Bogey towards the end of the season. Like at the end of the day, it it, it is a business. It stinks. Um, I mean, I have no I have no idea. Um I I'm not I'm not as sure. I mean, I've I've talked to Bogey a couple of times this offseason, but again, I know free agency is a thing where that can be a stressor for someone, even if it is a situation like bogey where he's going to get, he's going to get a nine figure deal. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's crazy, you know? So it's, it's for him, it's, it's like, it's a stressor because 
I feel like, you know, I, and I can't speak for Xander, but um, when you've been with one team for as long as he was, and then potentially seeing like potentially not coming back, I guess it's always kind of a different feeling. Um, yeah. But again, I mean, as a player, I mean, you tell me who I want. I want Xander Bogarts. He was one of the one of the best teammates that I've had in the in the in the amount of time that I got to play with him. He's a great guy off the field, and he's obviously a leader on the field. So, um, you know, that's kind of my sentiment on it. I don't really know much about it. Again, I try not to, I try not to dive into that stuff with our guys that are free agents and stuff. I just try to let them. I know that there's other people that are, you know, agents and stuff that they've got to talk to. So, I try not to be. Uh, another uh another point of distraction i just try to you know just see how everyone's doing and and wish them the best with whatever happens so yeah matt the, the classic matt barnes answer there is that's a heim question which you think is uh, yeah yeah so yeah you know, once he comes yeah, on we can you. ask him directly but i mean you there talk you about as everybody else does how important xander is like we all see that you know fans at home mm-hmm. people see on the yeah. field what he means they can get a sense of what he's like as a teammate me being in the clubhouse oh, yeah. the last few years can also, but like behind the scenes, how integral integral is he to the the operation? I mean, you're a younger guy, bouncing yeah. around. Uh, how yeah. important was it to have kind of a guy like that around the last couple of years? And if you could just kind of give us like examples of what he means. Yeah, I think that it was. Uh, I mean, honestly, the thing is, is day in day out with that guy is he's just consistent, you know. And it, yeah. it's 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 not even a thing where. Where, where Bogey doesn't have to be that roo-roo-rah-rah, like, you know, upbeat type of vocal leader. He just comes in and he's just consistent with what he does. He does the right thing every day. He puts his head down. He works. He's always trying to perfect his craft. Um, you know, and he and he does. When, when you come in, it doesn't really matter who you are. He kind of treats you like family. So mm-hmm. – He's got all he's got all the all the tangibles and all the intangibles that kind of come with being a leader of a clubhouse. And for him, I mean, especially for me getting to see it, not only playing against him and then playing with him, you know, the day in and day out grind of getting to getting to play in, in the market that we play in Boston. And then for him to be able to kind of always stay even keeled, you know, it's one of those things that no one really um, outside of this, uh, I would say outside of Boston really appreciates because, you know, you, you expect a lot from yourself. And obviously the fans of Boston expect a lot right. of, uh, of, of us as players, which is totally warranted. You know, I mean, the word fan is that you're a fanatic for a reason and, mm-hmm. you know, you expect results. And I think that all of us as players, we expect results, but I know, I know Xander is another guy like that, but I just know that it didn't matter whether he was struggling or he was, or he was raking. He was the same exact guy every single day. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that I got to learn from him was not riding the highs too high and not trying to ride the lows too low. So, you know, he, he's just one of those guys that he's a guy that you definitely try to emulate. And I got the, I had the opportunity to play with Buster Posey for a little bit um, Mm -hmm. when I was with the giants and, and they were very similar. Like they were, always step on the field and they were always probably the best player on the field. Um, but it didn't matter whether they wrote for four or four for four, they were kind of always staying even keeled, you know? Right. So it's just one of those things where it's kind of learned, but it's also kind of, you just have that coolness to you, you know? And I think uh, bogey definitely has that. So, yeah. 
I mean, the thing that struck me all year with him is that, and, you know, he probably said the same behind the scenes in meetings as he did to us every mm-hmm. week or every couple of weeks. Like he was just talking about how he was out of sync the entire year with a swing. He felt like he wasn't playing mm-hmm. well. He was disappointed. And then to use the Alex Cora term, you look up at the end of the year and he's competing for a batting <laughs> title, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's his yeah. bad year is hitting, you know, 316, whatever it was. And it just makes you think yeah. like, do, do we take this guy for granted? Oh, I, I know. It, it's Bogey's bad year is is 305 with, you know, with an eight, with an 830 OPS. So that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good bad year, you know. But, um, you know, the thing is, too, is I think that, uh, again, I think that, that Bogey's really hard on himself um, in a good way. Not, not mm-hmm. in a bad way where he's going to beat himself up. But I, I think that uh, – and I think that everyone in our clubhouse and everyone – I mean, across professional sports is hard on themselves to a point where they, you know, they demand and expect perfection. Um, and now the thing is, is when you aren't perfect, it's how do you learn from it and kind of how do you how do you move on and how do you how do you change whatever it is that's affecting you from, quote-unquote, becoming your perfect self. So um, it's funny because we would hear the same thing from Bogey. You know, at the end of the year, Bogey's – talking about how much he's struggling and stuff and i'm like dude like you got 10 days left and you're hitting 328 like you're fine dude you're gonna be okay i promise you know but it was just one of those things where again he just there are some things where we're hit i mean it's the old adage that hitters hit and i i think that when when bogey looks back on his year and he says he he you know he didn't do this or he didn't do that i, I the only thing i could say is maybe he probably wanted to hit more homers but mm-hmm. again i mean when you're hitting three, three ten, and you're getting on base, and you still hit a lot of doubles, and it's not like he, you know, didn't hit that many homers. He still had his fair share of homers, but and obviously he improved on the defensive side of the ball. I got the the opportunity to watch him work every single day, and yeah. it was, uh, you know, it, it was awesome to to kind of to kind of see that because, um, you know, it, there's nothing better and more and more satisfying as an athlete to, to put the work in and then to get and see your results. So, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's really no other way to put it, but like bogey's a freak. So for him to be mad with an 830 OPS or 840, I'm not sure exactly what it was at the end of the season. His numbers were still, still pretty dang good. So, yeah, um, yeah, he's just, you know, when you get to that level of, of superstar capability, you just expect more and more and more. So, I mean, obviously, he's kind of like the engine that keeps the whole train moving with you guys. But mm-hmm. this year, it just seemed like, you know, there was a, a very good veteran mix, whether it be, um, you know, obviously, Rich Hill coming in or Waka, like a lot mm-hmm. of, of real pros, pros. And as Zach Kelly was yeah. saying on the show a few weeks ago, and then other you know people behind the scenes have said the same, like, despite the struggles and despite it being a down year for the club, like the, mm-hmm. the clubhouse was was really strong and it was a really strong mix. Um, did yeah. you feel that way as you went through the season that, you know, this was a special group, even if the results in the field weren't there? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I mean, the reason why I say that is because uh, you kind of alluded to it, bringing in guys like Waka and bringing in guys like Rich Hill, guys who have been around but are just had that kind of seamless – they had that seamless entry into the clubhouse. They just kind of – they just meshed immediately. You know, it wasn't like uh, – it wasn't like, you know, a guy that uh, didn't have any interest with anyone else. You know, I mean, everyone that we added just seamlessly entered into our clubhouse. Matt Strom, Jake Deaton mm-hmm. before he got traded. I mean, 
up and down the list, it was just a group of guys that were just, I mean, even the guys that we acquired at the deadline, you know, Hosmer, he was, he was unbelievable. He meshed really well. Tommy Pham, uh, Reese McGuire, you know, these guys, these guys kind of just, it, it just fit well with what we were doing. Trevor coming in. I mean, it was, there was everyone, everyone that came in that was, that was a, that was a new guy to our clubhouse. They were all great. And I think that it was a mix of, of veteran leaders and guys who have been around before and are those veteran presence that every clubhouse needs. And it was also guys that were, you know, they were, they were trying to keep everyone even killed when, when the stuff wasn't going well, you know? So, and I think that's even more important. Obviously we didn't get the results that we wanted. We know that. I mean, we'll, we'll call it for what it is, but at the end of the day, I mean, when we had those, quote unquote panic times where we felt like we couldn't win a baseball game. I mean, the clubhouse. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was kind of crappy. It sucked. No one likes to lose, but at the same time, all our veteran guys were, were always staying positive, staying on top of everything. And uh, you know, no one just, just threw the towel and quit. So. There's obviously the thought and, and Xander talked about this at length with us when it happened, but the trade deadline, those few days in Houston, how difficult they were with, with Vasquez getting traded. Was that looking yeah. back, do you feel like, you know, losing him was kind of a, a death blow for the team? I mean, it just felt like they kind of took the air out of the room for a little bit there to, you know, whether that's a not a vote of confidence from mm-hmm. the front office, however guys reacted to yeah. it, whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, looking at it from a baseball standpoint, I, I kind of understood the collateral moves. Um, you know, again, the, the more that you're around, the more that you kind of understand uh, you kind of understand the business side, right? And and the business side was was that Vasky was going to be a free agent. So mm-hmm. uh, I think the new age of baseball is kind of if you're going to be a free agent, depending on where your team's at, you try to maximize value on those guys as much as you can. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that that was necessarily the blow that did it, um, you know, because bringing Hosmer in and bringing Tommy in, uh, they were really good for us. I know mm-hmm. Haas didn't get to play that much, but you know he played some solid defense for us. He had some pretty big hits, and he was playing. He was playing well before his before he injured his back. And then Tommy got off to a to a really good start with us, and we thought that he was going to be you know that that leadoff guy while Kike I think was still injured at the time, but mm-hmm. um, that could kind of set the tone for the lineup. And he had some games there where he really did. He showed he showed who he was when we acquired him, and then. Towards the end of the season, I think when we were officially out of contention, he he started uh he started doing some stuff and he just kind of hit a cold streak, you know. That's baseball. Um, but bringing those guys in, I I it was it, it seemed like a seemed like a move where we weren't giving up, but you know it it did it sucked it stung you know because Vasky's been here forever and and uh, you know he was one of our clubhouse leaders. He was our catcher and. I know all the guys loved throwing to him, and we loved having him in the clubhouse. We loved him on the plane rides and stuff. So, you know, it did stink. But, again, I think uh, it's a little different for people that haven't experienced the business side because mm-hmm. um, that was the first time that he's experienced the business side, which was, yeah. you know, getting traded from a different team. So, um, you know, it was it was crappy, but, uh, you know, we kind of had to put our heads down and keep moving forward and keep playing baseball. You know, even when Deekman got traded um, – you know, he was another guy. He was kind of one of the anchors to our bullpen uh, from, uh, you know, from a clubhouse standpoint. And, um, you know, Deke was a great teammate. So, again, it's never it's never easy, 
when you're losing teammates and gaining other teammates. But, uh, you know, it happens all across the league and you got to kind of just keep moving forward. The That's one trade deadline memory for me from Houston. The other one directly involves you in a much less uh, serious uh, kind of situation from from Vasquez mm-hmm. actually getting traded. So uh, the day mm-hmm. of the trade deadline, it's very tense, right? Uh, there, You know, mm-hmm. people are in there. Nate, JD, Waka, maybe. Uh, uh-huh. L, yeah. different guys thinking they may get moved, and you decided to yeah. – announced a fake trade that you were going to the angels straight up for Shohei Otani. And <laughs> yeah. At that point. Yeah. Um, so then you, you come out in the next 24 games, you hit 372, 915 OPS. So the question is, should they, mm-hmm. should the angels have made that deal? Oh, oh God. Um, no, no, hundred <laughs> percent. I think Shohei Otani, uh, you know, and this is a hats off to, I know this is like a Cardinal sin, to say this, but I mean, Aaron Judge had an unbelievable season. I think he was pretty much unanimous there for the MVP. Um, but I think that Shohei Otani, as far from a from a value standpoint and what what he's able to do on both sides of the ball, I mean, he's a he's literally a DH. He's an All Star DH, and he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Mm-hmm. I think that that guy's one of the most incredible players in the game. So I, I don't even know if there's necessarily a trade value on him. Because well, you would have it to was, ask it was for, clearly it was you and you're for yeah yeah ten minutes yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> I know and I just remember walking in and I just tried to again you could tell around the trade deadline stuff gets tense those are when the rumors start entering the clubhouse and that's you know kind of when when AC's sitting there and and AC kind of kind of comes in and gives you the whole rundown of hey guys this is kind of what's happening and uh, we're gonna do what we got to do and. We're going to keep moving forward. And, you know, the next thing you know, guys get traded. So I just tried to, you know, I tried to lighten up the the mood a little bit. I mean, as much as I could, just because it is, it's a tense situation and no one knows who's going where or what's going to happen. And, you know, it does, it stinks because we would rather have been in the other situation where we were, you know, bye, bye, bye at the deadline and mm-hmm. just adding guys and, you know, just, didn't work out that way. So when you when you look at that stretch of that, you know, I know it was a month, but probably as I'm assuming as hot as you've been as a big leaguer, um, it kind of carrying the offense for a couple of weeks. Does that make you think like, you know, there there's another gear here almost? Like, do you feel like you know that's kind of your, you know, when you're seeing the ball mm-hmm. that well and and kind of leading an offense that has so many guys in it, whether it be Xander, Rafi, JD, Story, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. I know Story was out during that time. Yeah. I mean, what does that make mm-hmm. you think about kind of your own prospects moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that it's definitely a uh, it's a, it's a confidence builder for sure. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's 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 one thing to be able to do it in the minor leagues. It's another thing to be able to do it in the big leagues. So um, to be able to show that you can do that at the big leagues for, like you said, a sustained period of time, you know, more than five games or whatever it is, um, you know, just kind of helps you believe in what you're doing, uh, kind of helps you believe in, and, uh, in the work that you're putting in and that that's the right, you know, that's the right direction in which, uh, in which you need to be going to kind of advance your career and advance as a player. So going through that stretch, I mean, I was just trying to remember as much as I could, what I was thinking, um, what I was feeling, working with our hitting guys and just kind of having them, you know, reiterate this stuff because, the truth of the nature is, is baseball is, it's one of those sports when you could be, you could hit 450 for three weeks and then 
it's going to change. It's just, that's just how it is. I mean, unfortunately we all wish we could hit 350 over the course of a season, but it's just, it just doesn't go that way. So you try to hold on to those things and you're always kind of searching for those streaks. And then once you get out of them, you're just trying to search for the, for the answer to get back into them. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was a, it was a fun time. I mean, um, you know, it was definitely a confidence booster, um, made me kind of, especially with the way that the season had started, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always hard on myself and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just nice to, when you're working on stuff and you see results, it's always a good feeling. Uh, as we wrap up here, as you look forward to 23, obviously you know, the roster's unsettled. You, you don't know exactly, yeah. you know, what kind of, uh, role you'd be in the perfect role. I, you yeah. hope that, you know, story and, and Bogart to be anchoring up the middle again. But what are your what are your mm-hmm. goals for yourself heading into what going to be? You know, your your fourth and your your third full season with the Red Sox. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, from a personal standpoint, it's just continue to get better and 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 to get this and and to to do whatever I can to to put myself in a position to help our team get back to where we want to be. And that was. Uh, you know, that's back to what we were doing in 2021, which obviously we fell short that year as well. Um, but I can attest to that because I was here. You know, I'd love to say to get us back to, you know, 2018 when this team won the World Series. You know, I was on the other side of the, of the ball when these guys were, were towing the, the rubber every day when I was with the Tampa. And it was it was special. You could tell that they had they had the thing. And I don't even know what it was, but they had something about them that, there was just a good feeling that they were, you know, they had a really good chance to, to win the whole thing. So, um, you know, I think that it's about just getting prepared and, and being ready for anything. You know, I kind of saw that this year, uh, moved around a different bunch, a bunch of different spots, went out yep. to the outfield for the very first time in my career. Um, but just, you know, it's about learning, you know, obviously there's situations that I had last year that I had to learn from, you know, whether it was defensively or offensively. But but the thing is, is you're at the highest level and there's, you know, there's, there's no time to really make excuses. If you're going to be put in a position, then you need to, you know, do everything you can to be ready to perform in that position. So for me, it's about getting as ready as I can. And then once spring training rolls around and, you know, the team, the team and the roster kind, kind of start shaking up and you can kind of understand what your role is, then you kind of go from there and then you, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you bust your ass to to get back on the pony. And then, uh, you know, you take it one game at a time, one pitch at a time. And then at the end of the season, you see where you're at. And, you know, hopefully that's going to be that's going to be us with a with a playoff run, a deep playoff run. And like every other team in the league, you know, you want to be holding up that trophy. So, um, you know, I think that's what it's about. It's about just mm-hmm. getting back there and just trying to help this team win in which, whichever way we can. Uh, last thing, because I think you from – Listen to the background. There might be some broken glass to pick up after this. Uh, from yeah, I just went out there and checked. I think someone dropped something. Last <laughs> uh, <laughs> one for you. is there. I know Alex Cora back when he was the GM of Team Puerto Rico uh, five years ago recruited you to play in the WBC. Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to be participating yeah. in that in the spring? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really heard much else. Uh, it's kind of a yeah, it's a different situation too um, mm-hmm. with Puerto Rico. I, I would I would definitely love to play. Um, you know, I even talked to Kike about it because the first time Kike played um, and he represented, I don't think he was younger, so he didn't really play much. 
Yeah. Uh, and looking at their roster now, I mean, they have a loaded roster. You're going to have Correa, Lindor, and Bias. Like, those guys mm-hmm. are probably going to play every day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, they've talked to me a little bit about it. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, again, I, I appreciate the sentiment and going out and playing. But, um, again, you got to kind of see how the offseason shakes out. You know, I feel like for me, uh, I'm a big time try to get as much work as I can get in to prepare for the season in spring training. So, you know, if, the, if it works out and the situation, you know, the situation's right, then, yeah, I mean, the opportunity uh, definitely could be there, which would be, you know, it'd be cool to get to represent my father's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at this point, I don't have a for sure answer, but, uh, you know, we're kind of playing it by ear. Well, you'll have to come back to the Fenway Rundown to break that news when it does happen. Christian, we, we <laughs> there you go. appreciate the time and uh, good luck Absolutely. with the rest of the move in the offseason. Yeah. No, thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It was good talking to you.